Good morning. Our live stream this morning from worship did not work, so I'm going to record for you at home just the sermon part of worship. Sorry you missed out on the rest, but at least uh, you will have this. So our scripture passage today is from Paul's letter to the Romans. Listen for how the Spirit may be speaking to you through these words. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to God's purpose. For those whom God foreknew, God also predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom God predestined, God also called. And those whom God called, God also justified. And those whom God justified, God also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? God who did not withhold God's own son, but gave him up for us all. If he, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God and Christ Jesus our Lord. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. So we hear the passage read, and now what I want to do is I want to sing for you a song that's inspired by this same passage because I think we tend to hear things, experience things differently when we hear them in song. So this song is called Your Love Never Fails. Nothing can separate Even if I ran away Your love never fails I know I still make mistakes But you have new mercies for me every day Your love never fails And you stay the same through the ages your love never changes there may be pain in the night but joy comes in the morning and when the oceans rage i don't have to be afraid because i know that you love me your love never fails you make all things work together for my good. 
you make all things work together for my good. Oh, you make all things work together for my good. Oh, you make all things work together for my good. And you stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. Amen. Your love never fails. Truly, I think that could be the theme of this scripture passage. Perhaps the theme of our, our entire faith tradition. You know, nothing, says Paul, not hardship, distress, persecution, or peril, nothing will separate us from God's love. Now, if this passage sounds familiar to you, it's possible that you've heard it at a memorial service. It's often read at memorial services because of that last line of Paul's. You know, he reminds us that neither death nor life, nor things present nor things to come, will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And it's important to hold on to those comforting words when someone close to us dies, right? Nothing, not even death, separates us from God's love. But I think we miss out if we only encounter this passage in memorial services because Paul is talking about much more than just death. Paul is also reminding us that nothing separates us from God's love now in life. You know, certainly, we have all experienced hardships and distress as part of life. I know many of you are experiencing that right now. And Paul is here to tell us that even that does not separate us from God's love. You know, we do not move through hardship and distress alone or abandon. No, instead, God loves us through every moment of every day. This is good news. This is good news that we can never hear enough. You know, this is news that is at the very heart, the very center of our faith. God's love never fails. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, if you hear nothing else today, hear that, right? Know that in your heart and in your soul. Believe that. God's love never fails. Now, really, I could stop the sermon right there because that is so important to hear and to know. But I won't because Paul has another line right at the beginning of this passage that I want to look at. It was also in the song. I think it repeats in the song about four different times. Paul writes, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. All things work together for good. Now, this line has received a lot of attention from biblical scholars uh, due to the wide variety of ways that it can be translated and interpreted. So first, I want to be very sure that we do not read this line as saying that 
terrible or tragic things that happen are somehow good or are somehow gifts from God. That is not the case. God does not go around causing bad things to happen just to help us grow or to teach us a lesson. I want to be careful that we don't ever glorify suffering as somehow good. You know, there's real pain and trauma and grief in life that is not good. And it is important to acknowledge that. Yeah, I was thinking about that just this past week when I read a blog that my sister wrote. I've talked about her before and about my nephew, her son, who is on the autism spectrum. So a couple of weeks ago, my sister and her husband took their family on a two-night camping trip. And the trip was full of lots of joy. It was also full of a lot of difficult moments. And the difficult moments continued when they got home. Because my nephew had been so out of his usual routine, he was very dysregulated, and it was hard for him to sort of get back into daily life. He was having a hard time, especially controlling his body. So at one point, my sister writes, she just grabbed him and just held him in a big bear hug. And this is what she writes. She says, as I held him there, feeling his heart racing as he tried to relax into my hug, I wanted to cry. I was sad for my little guy who so loved camping but is also so unable to control himself. I felt grief over the long-held dreams of longer camping trips, heck, of trips in general that we just can't do. I felt such sadness for my son who so wants to do these things but literally cannot handle it. I felt angry that all my planning and energy is still not enough to counteract his overactive sensory and nervous systems. I grieve. I feel anger, frustration, and helplessness. Life is hard, and it probably will always be harder for my beautiful boy, no matter how much we educate and empower him. I often try to look on the bright side because I am by nature an optimist. That runs in the family. He has many gifts and talents and brings me much joy. But you know what? I don't always need to look on the bright side. I don't always need to push away the sadness and grief. Sometimes I need to stop to acknowledge all of this, all of the emotions, even the hard ones. Things are definitely not good all the time. And it is absolutely an act of faith to acknowledge the wide range of our emotions and our life experiences. Let us never be afraid to do that. But all of that being said, what the heck does Paul mean when he writes, all things work together for good? Now, this particular line in any Bible that you might read usually comes with a bunch of footnotes at the bottom because the Greek is a little unclear and it's a little hard to translate. Now, I could take you down a deep grammatical rabbit hole of wondering what exactly is the subject of this sentence? Is the verb transitive or intransitive? Yes, people have actually written about this. But I was not an English major, so suffice it to say that one possible, even likely, translation of this line is, God makes all things work together for good with those who love 
God. Now that with is important. All things are not intrinsically good. Some things are bad. But we are called to join with God in the work of making good, in the work of being good, in the work of making sure that no one ever feels separated from the love of God in times of bad and in times of good. So what does this look like? I want to share with you one example from this book. It's called I Take My Coffee Black by Tyler Merritt. He's a Nashville-based author and actor and public speaker. And in the book, he writes about his shock and his fright when he learned of the death of Alton Sterling. Sterling was an unarmed black man who was shot dead by police in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in 2016. And so Merritt writes, Alton Sterling was about my age, and his skin tone was about my same skin tone. The whole incident was terrifying to me. So then, in his book, Merritt goes on to list 48 unarmed black people who were killed by police. See, he just lists them page after page between 2016 and 2021. And then he writes, I felt hopelessness come crashing down like a great wave over me. I felt like I was drowning. I felt that primordial fight or flight instinct kick up, but there was nowhere to run. So I was going to have to fight back the only way I knew how. My name is Tyler, and I build things. So what he decided to do was to host a conversation in order to build relationships. This is what he says. There would be no cameras, no microphones, no media, no press, just a large room and 40 or so people from all over Nashville. Black men, white men, black women, white women, some young, some older, some wealthy, some not wealthy, some gay, some straight. The goal, this group of disparate strangers would sit down and talk about what was going on in the nation and our city regarding race. We would have an honest and painful, if needed, dialogue. It would start as a room full of strangers. By the end, maybe something would have changed. I called it the safe place, and it was the first test of my theory that I could use my unique life experiences to do something to make the world a better place. That's the line that caught my attention in this story. Let me read it again. I could use my unique life experiences to do something to make the world a better place. God makes all things work together for good with those who love God. Tyler Merritt simply hosted a conversation. Nothing earth-shattering, or was it? Here's what happened. Merritt writes, here's what I saw. The conversation was more personal, more honest, and more empathetic by a hundred times than anything I have ever seen online. There was more dialogue and way less grandstanding and monologue, far more active listening. It was an emotional ride, a deeply bonding experience, 
And every single person said it had changed them in one way or another. After the meeting, people exchanged numbers. They hugged. Respect and friendship began to flow. Now, the death of 48 people is not good, right? Merritt describes himself as being shell-shocked, scared, and grieving. But he did not allow pain and violence and death to have the final word. You know, Paul asks, will hardship, will distress, or persecution, or peril, or sword separate us from the love of God? No. Nothing separates us from God's love. And we make sure that this good news is known by all people because we join with God in creating good. I love the line by seminary professor Anna Bowden. She says, faith requires activity. It's not a passive belief, but a life dedicated to active participation in making the world good. One more story. This one is from Episcopal Bishop Michael Curry in his book, Love is the Way. Curry writes about a time when he was pastoring a neighborhood in a pretty rough area of, um, he was, sorry, he was pastoring a church in a neighborhood in Baltimore that was a pretty rough neighborhood. Many of the congregants of the church were from other areas of Baltimore, so their demographic didn't necessarily match the demographic of the community where the church was located, so they were always looking for ways to connect better with the community. One Christmas, they decided to go Christmas caroling uh, on the streets around the church. And so Curry describes that experience. He says, as we walked the streets near the church with our flashlights, I could sense that enthusiasm was waning. Caroling on the streets isn't like singing in church. In a church, voices bounce off the walls with a resonance that amplifies and improves the sound. A mouse can belt like Patti LaBelle. But on the streets, we got no such lift. Our voices seemed quiet and flat, lost in the air of boarded up and derelict homes. Still, we stuck with it, determined to share some spirit that night. We stopped on one block near an alley and began a quiet rendition of Silent Night, even though we couldn't see a soul. As we neared the finish of the first verse, we were about to walk on. And then, from the darkness of the alley, we heard a response. A voice sang out from the darkness, finishing the song. Sleep in heavenly peace. I experienced surprised elation, but also sadness. Down that alley, someone was listening. And also down that alley, someone was possibly cold, possibly hungry, possibly high. I would never know, because he didn't show his face. And yet he responded. Thanks to that unseen neighbor, we understood that even when it didn't seem like it, Somebody was listening. So Curry concludes, It is tough to maintain a humble and dedicated relationship with God and with others, especially others who are not like you. 
But that kind of relationship is how we create a new dynamic where there are no saviors, but only people working together for a better future for the good of all. The conversation among strangers, Christmas caroling on a seemingly deserted street, small acts of love that can lead to so much good. May it be so. Amen.